Hello and welcome to this episode of HBCU. I'm your host, Dee Brown, CEO. Joining me on the show is Tangela Parker. Tangela is a graduate of Alcorn State University. Tangela, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. The pleasure is all mine. So Tangela, I want to jump right in and just kind of get some background to understand how did you select Alcorn State University? Was there any other choice? <laughs> Alcorn was my <laughs> Alcorn was my choice. I actually come from a generational family that attended Jackson State University, and I am the first person in my family, the only person really? in my family that made the perfect decision to attend Alcorn State University. Now, how did how did that happen, though? So, everyone is a JSU graduate. <laughs> How do you select Alcorn? Everyone. Grandmother on down. I selected Alcorn because I'm from Brandon, Mississippi, and the proximity to, from Jackson to Brandon is a little close. And <laughs> I was a political science major, and I actually went to Alcorn based on the major that I selected. And because it was a little farther away from home. <laughs> Then um, Jackson State, and I wanted something different. I, I, yeah. I'd been around Jackson State all of my life, and I wanted a different experience. And for me to attend Jackson State, which is a wonderful institution, would have just been just too, too close of a proximity to what I'd grown up around. Hey, look, I totally understand. But So t take me back to your freshman year. Uh, you're just making it on onto the, uh, okay. the yard of the academic resort. Uh, talk to me about that freshman mm -hmm. year, what it was like? Coming onto the campus, I my best friend uh, of, of many years, she's two years older than me, she attended. So coming on campus, it was very different. I think the, the surreal feeling was when my mother actually left and I was like, okay, I'm in Robinson Hall. I'm in college. You know, it, yeah. it hits you that you're in college. And I met my roommate, Gladys, who is, still one of my closest friends to this day. And certain things start, you know, kicking in. You're like, okay, well, I'm in college. What does that look like? We go and we get things to eat. You start meeting people and you go and you sit outside the dorm and they say, well, do you want to bust a loop? And I said, well, what is that? <laughs> and that is when you get in the car and you go around the campus and you go on the other side. I said, well, yes, I can. I think I can do that. And that became something that we did in the evening times and I oftentimes I cherish those memories because we made our fun at Alcorn because everyone knows the location of Alcorn you make your fun it encourages you to interact with others and right. build relationships and that type of engagement is something that I have used in my professional career as well. Hey so what about you know homecoming all the activities that take place there on campus mm -hmm. uh, what are some of the uh, memorable moments you had at Alcorn? My first homecoming, my first homecoming, I had seen, I had not seen anything like it. I had not seen that many people on campus. It was just amazing. The energy was amazing. Homecoming, um, Capital City Classic, and we when we played Southern, those were the biggest games and experiences that I had ever seen. And although, like I said, we had attended the Jackson State game, it was different for Alcorn because you had so many people that came back to the university that had graduated, you know, that were affiliated. And you got to meet so many different 
people. And it's just, it was just an amazing experience. You have the tailgating, you have the music, you have the engagement, you have the parties after the game and you just watch people. You have the homecoming parade. I was part of coordination. So the Friday before we had coordination and then we had the parade and you would go back to your dorm and you would curate your outfit because the outfit <laughs> for the game was a big deal. Right. Even if you did not go into the game, you curated your outfit, your feet, you know, your feet probably were going to be hurt because you had on some heels, but you had to curate that outfit. And so it was just that experience of engaging in just with your roommates and your people on your hall and you going to the game together and sitting with each other. Wonderful experiences. So what do you remember about faculty, staff uh, at Alcorn and how were they instrumental in your academic journey? I had a supportive team of faculty and staff. Regina Jones was the secretary of the social science department, and she acted as really a mom to all of us. She made sure that, you know, you were going to classes, you were doing what you were supposed to do. Um, even during our research assignments, she was there. She was very hands-on, and we needed that. We, we needed that presence. Um, Dr. Cotton, he was my constitutional law and logic professor, and he made sure that we understood the importance of current issues and being able to speak eloquently about current issues. And Dr. Lee, he was the one that taught me about public policy and public administration. And Dr. Alpha Morris, she taught you how to be an astute professional woman in all settings. I can recall my friend Chandra and I, we went to Mardi Gras. We decided we were going to stay at Mardi Gras for the whole week. And we called to check our messages and Dr. Cotton had left us messages saying, where are you all? <laughs> and why haven't you been to class? But it was that type of, you know, awareness that made me realize, OK, you have people that really care about you and really want you to be successful. So the faculty and staff were very embedded in our experiences as well as our education in our department. So how do you feel Alcorn prepared you for your professional journey? Because I was taught that I can't be mediocre and I have to give 150%. When others are able to give 75, um, I have to give 150. I have to go above and beyond. And they set that standard for me. And I set it for others as well that you have to be tenacious when you go into a room, you have to own that room, but you have to own that room with the wellspring of knowledge because sometimes the playing field isn't level for us and that is okay. You don't use that to your detriment, you use that to your advantage. Right, right. So uh, you've been involved with a multitude of different, uh, not just from a professional uh, perspective, but also uh, just community service, et cetera. And I know you are a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. So tell me how AKA mm -hmm. has helped shape you into uh, the person you are. I remember watching School Days. And looking at my godmother, who was a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha, and watching her interactions with the ladies on Saturdays after the sorority meetings, 
how they handle their business. Yes, you wear your colors, you wear your, you know, you have your t-shirts, you have your tags, if, you know, if that's what you want to do. But I watch these women handle business. I watch them put together galas. I watch them help the community. I watch them help other sorors who needed assistance because you never know the day nor the hour that you will need assistance and nobody ever said a word. And it was that type of just community involvement and sisterhood that I saw early on that made me want to be a part of an organization that exemplified excellence in that manner. So now take take us on your professional journey. You graduate from Alcorn and you start your career. So take Mm -hmm. us on that journey to where you are right now. Definitely. I graduated and I, I participated in a internship with HHS, which is Centers for Medicaid Services, because once I graduated, I was on track to actually attend law school. I was prepared to go in to regulatory affairs and become an attorney. And during that time, I worked in an area of Centers for Medicaid Services where they actually showed the health care disparities in my own home state. I was oblivious to that because I was kind of in a bubble. I thought that everyone had, you know, Blue Cross Blue Shield insurance and it was afforded to everyone because that was my reality, but it wasn't the reality for everyone. And I I wanted to help people. I wanted to make sure that that playing field was going to be level for everyone to have a certain quality of healthcare. And at that time, I was able to obtain a role with the Division of Medicaid and I came in as a Medicaid specialist. So imagine my mother's surprise when I said, well, I'm not going to go to law school. I'm just going to, I'm going to work for the state. And she said, no, you're not. I said, yes, I'm going to work for the state. So I had to call in my advocate slash lobbyist, my dad, to kind of talk to her to let her know that if that wasn't my passion, then I wasn't going to necessarily be successful in it because that's not what I wanted to do. So working at the Division of Medicaid as a Medicaid specialist and then transitioning to public affairs and eventually to governmental affairs, it showed me the policymaking process and how it can impact a, a a multitude of people and especially living in our Mississippi Delta in a it was a big disparity between a half and half knots and traveling the state I saw that and I wanted to see how can I impact and help these individuals and I began to work with different organizations to educate them on what they needed to do to make sure that they had their recertification, that they were going to the doctor, that they were going to the dentist, things that you know they don't even think about as being important because they were reactive and not proactive when it came to their health care. And once I, you know, completed my my rounds, as I like to say, or my tenure at Medicaid, I transitioned into the private sector with United Healthcare and I was able to impact the community even more. I even had a partnership with Alcorn State University where we had the inaugural form to fork and provided two tons of fresh produce to the entire state. And that was with the agricultural department. Um, Rockio Woods was instrumental in working with me to use the teaching farms to actually provide produce to the people in the Mississippi Delta. And that was impactful as well. And from that position, I pivoted to Atlanta, to Humana, where I was able to actually lead their comp benefits, which is their dental line of business for many, many years. And it provided not just the dental benefits for the 
to serve, but for those private pay individuals as well, because healthcare has always been my passion. And I'm here today um, in my new capacity, and that is I'm leading the marketing piece and the community engagement piece for CVS Aetna, which is another large uh, healthcare company that wants to really take care of the entire person, mentally, physically. They are big on the well-being of that person, and that goes for their employees as well. So why are you so passionate about healthcare? Where where, did, where do you think that passion come from? It comes from one traveling the state and seeing the various healthcare disparities, watching people who may have not had the means receive less than stellar healthcare because at some places, in some situations, healthcare is a business and if people don't have the means, they don't always get the quality of care watching people who don't necessarily have the intellect to understand that you don't have to go to the emergency room because your head is hurting. You can have a primary care physician, which is very important that you can literally call and have those conversations with their nurse and they can tell you what to take maybe over the counter. But my passion comes for seeing people discriminated against in healthcare based on their their financial echelon or social economic status. And that's just too common. And it was very troubling for me to see that, especially in my home state. Yeah. And it's a it's a really um, serious you know, issue, uh, especially throughout the Mississippi Delta. Uh, we began to build healthcare mm-hmm. facilities in our business. And one of the reasons we're so passionate about doing that is because we recognize that particularly uh, community of color and impoverished communities don't have uh, adequate access to health care. And that could be the, the difference between life and death or the difference between having limbs and no limbs in, in, in many cases. So, uh, you know, right. I admire that type of work. But you're also very involved in the, um, the community as well. So talk to me about some of your uh, community mm-hmm. uh, involvement and some of the organizations you support and why. I am a board member of the Andrew and Walter Young YMCA. I'm located on Campbellton Road here in Atlanta, and that is one of my passion projects. I actually oversee their STEM initiative, which is an aquaponics center. So I was out there planting um, different produce using water and to watch the young minds just light up because they're actually seeing things grow because a lot of these people, they live in food deserts and they don't have the means to grow items. They don't know about growing okra, strawberries, and greens, things that I grew up seeing because I come from a farming family. And also just helping that community because that why was founded to help the community. And Ambassador Andrew Young and his brother, Dr. Walter Young, are very vested in that particular location. And they have so many great programs just outside of the STEM initiatives. They have the Black Men's Lab, which meets every Monday. And it's an opportunity for Black men to come together with their kids to talk about financial wellness, mental well-being. They provide programming for jobs. It is just an amazing why. And it's one of those nucleus of the community. Another board that I'm a member of is Choices. And Choices deals with really centering how we eat in the obesity in the community and providing food 
to the community because food equity is something that is not addressed. They address food deserts, but not equity. Some people don't have the means to buy healthy food. Some people don't have the transportation, but they also don't have the means. And so I always choose organizations that have working boards because I want to really impact what I'm doing as I engage with these boards. And so that is another organization that's near and dear to me and that's Choices. And they offer cooking classes. I've taken my whole team in to do a cooking class. It's great for team building, but they teach you how to cook healthy and it tastes good. Because how many times have we seen a recipe and we're like, I'm not making that. It's too many ingredients I've never heard of. They don't sell it in my grocery store. I'm not doing it. What they do is they use everyday ingredients, Chef Ashley, and they make it taste amazing. Those are two of my amazing organizations that I sit on the board for. And I'm also a member of Junior League of Atlanta. And I started with Junior League of Mississippi many, many years ago. But that is another community engagement opportunity. And it's a civic organization where you're able to really work in the community And with that particular organization, I work with Kate's Club, and it's an organization that actually helps children who have lost a sibling, a parent, or a grandparent, and helps them learn how to manage those emotions and feelings. So tell me, or tell my viewers, why should someone consider Mm -hmm. attending an HBCU, in your opinion? It's the culture. It's the culture and everyone is rooting for you to win and be successful. And it can be 10 or 15 years down the line. They may not know my name, but they know that that's the girl from Brandon or, you know, the guy from Greenville. And it prepares you for what's next, but it also makes you feel like you belong. You you never, I never felt like an outsider yeah. at Alcorn. Even as a freshman, you never feel like an outsider. A prime example is that my goddaughter just graduated Saturday with her law degree from Southern. She received her undergraduate and graduate degrees at a prominent PWI in Mississippi. And you know what she told me? She said, mom, she said, they really wanted me to be successful here. They went out of their way to make sure I was successful. I said, that's your HBCU experience because everyone is rooting for you to be successful. And if someone is looking to attend Alcorn State University, they're gonna make sure you're successful. Now you have to do the work, you know, it's not gonna be given to you and it shouldn't be, but they're going, you're gonna have a great network of people there and throughout the country that are gonna make sure you're successful. It's that type of accountability and support that has fostered and and nurtured me and I am still being nurtured by that today. So how has that experience uh, that that you had yourself, how how has that carried over into your professional uh, career in terms of the things that you see uh, as important from from a career perspective? Because I hear you talk about uh, dealing with food insecurity, and I did. I heard you talking about earlier uh, about healthcare, dealing with the entire person. Uh, how has your experiences at Alcorn played into that? I am very attentive to not just people on my team, but attentive to people as a whole, because I always extend grace. And I think it's important to extend grace because you never know someone's situation. 
and I saw that done a lot at Alcorn. The professors and the support staff were very patient with students. And that is something that I practice. Is it easy all the time? No, it is not always easy. But I think that being in an environment where people were very supportive and they wanted you to be successful, I carry that over to my environment. I want everyone to win. I want to give people the tools if I can help them through mentorship, through referrals, just through conversation to go to the next level. I'm going to do it. And sometimes, as I tell my team, growth may be away from me or on my team and you may grow away from me. But when you do, you're going to be prepared for what's next. And I want to touch on um, and this. I'm kind of backtracking a little bit. But as we talk about uh, people in uh, impoverished communities and you know people of color not having access to uh, health care, not having access to. Uh, healthy food options or maybe not being able to afford uh, those items. Uh, what do you see in terms of your role in the position you in? What do you see that you are able to do to help close that gap? And of course, you're only one person, but of course, you have the ability to to use your influence to, to help bring initiative, even if it's to one you know community or one area or one person at a time. I love to go on food tours. I will go on tours and work with organizations to close this gap. Organizations like Choices to actually do mobile food pantries where the people can pull up in their cars and they put the food boxes in your car. They give you everything you need for a week. They're giving you lead quarters. They're giving you produce. They're giving you canned goods. They're giving you peanut butter, but it's food that you can use. I also work with organizations like Gooder, but working in Publix, but working with organizations that we can spread the bandwidth uh, of what we're doing. But it also is education, educating people on the importance of eating healthy and seeing what that's, what that looks like, but meeting them where they are. Because I think about my grandmother, and if you go to her and tell her she's going to have to eat kale and drink smoothies, she's going to say, no, I'm not doing that. Right. But if you show her that she can maybe make her greens with turkey sometimes, then she may be a little bit more flexible. So it is knowing your audience and making sure that when you have those conversations, whoever you have having those conversations are, you know, making sure the messages are relatable and partnerships. That is the way to really touch the masses is through really genuine partnerships with organizations that can provide the resources and the tools for these individuals and their families. So tell me, what would you like your legacy to be um, in the area of, of, of health care and, and really just uh, helping humanity? That it, will, that it won't stop. I always tell um, my niece and nephews that the softest pillow is a clear conscience and knowing that you've done what you can do to help someone is the best feeling in the world. Yeah. And that's what I would like my legacy to be is to continue helping people. And then finally, uh, as we can get ready to kind of wind the show up, I do want to ask you, uh, because I love talking to people about just how we kind of help bridge the gap financially for HBCUs. What are some of the things you, you feel that, uh, 
you know, graduates of HBCUs can do to help close the financial gaps to put HBCUs on equal footing with uh, PWIs? Pay your alumni dues. If you're in a position to leverage partnerships with your organizations or with your companies, do that. I saw an opportunity with United Healthcare to bring produce to the masses or to the Mississippi Delta, but also to give a check to Alcorn. And so if there's an opportunity within your organization, just have those conversations so that you can keep sewing into your organization. But most important, importantly, think individually, pay your alumni dues. Now, I know financially that may not be a priority for some people and you may get to a point where you have to make a decision where you just can't do it. But when you get to a point in your career where you can, I think that you should. And when you're looking at equal footing with PWIs, I think that is the disconnect. Sometimes we can attend the games. We can do all of the fanfare that's associated with the HBCU process, but we don't do the business piece, but we're so that, quick to go on social media and, and complain that's a good, about that's a, that's what's a strong, wrong. That's a, that's a very strong afford point. to have an opinion. Right. Now, that, yeah, I was you can't say, that's afford a very to have strong, an opinion if you're not contributing. Right. I was going to say, that's a very strong point to wrap the show up with really, as well. A lot of people do the extracurriculars, but they don't want to do the, the work and the business necessary to advance the cause. But I don't want to end the show without first thanking you again for taking time out your schedule to be on the show. And mm -hmm. also, I want to present you with our HBCU mm -hmm. Lifetime Achievement Award for your commitment to historically black colleges Yay! and universities. And we'll be giving this to you in the mail. Uh, to my viewers, I want to thank you for watching this episode okay. of HBCU. I'm your host, D. Brown, CEO. And remember, without you, there's no me.